From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. And here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Hello. Now, I am someone who will eat anything. I mean, anything. But my husband is a picky eater, which is very hard on me because, of course, that means he will be the first to go down in the apocalypse. Because, you know, he doesn't like squishy textures like raw tomatoes. And you know what everything tastes like in the apocalypse? Raw tomatoes. I'm pretty sure that's how everything tastes. Only adventurous palates, I think, will make it in the end of days. You have to make that gentle transition from farm to table to sewer to mouth. Mmm, delicious. Which brings me to our VIP. This is a woman who will eat anything because it's her job. You know her from the Bravo food competition series Top Chef. Our VIP is Gail Simmons. And say hello to a man who we are always craving, our one-man house band, Mr. Jonathan Colton. Hello. So our first game is called It's all Swedish to me. And our first two contestants are Sarah Schulman and Barbara Kay. So here's my question to you. It may seem strange, but here you go. If you had a spirit Muppet, which is like a spirit animal, but fuzzier, who would be your spirit Muppet? Sarah? I would have to say Gonzo. Gonzo. Oh yeah, Gonzo's fun. And, but why do you pick Gonzo? Because he's, uh, he's a little strange. He's a little <laughs> funny looking. He's a little awkward, but he's got a really good heart. Oh, and that's who you relate to? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Barbara, what Muppet character are you? I think it's a hard decision. Okay. I think I would have to go with Kermit. Okay, Kermit. You went for the star. I did. <laughs> I did. Uh-huh. And what, who is it between that and who else? Well, I like Beaker, too. Beaker. Yeah. See, that, that hands down is the best character Beaker, on the yeah. uh, Muppets. <laughs> totally confused, frantic, going slowly insane, and can only say one word. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so here's why I asked that. We all love Top Chef, but we thought we'd start with a game honoring the best cook in television broadcast history, who is, of course, the Swedish chef from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> So here's how it works. We'll ask questions and you'll respond as the Swedish chef would. (laughs) (laughs) Repeating everything three times in his accent, which I believe is a rural northern Swedish accent, to be exact. And all of your answers are going to rhyme with bork, bork, bork. Uh, your dignity uh, just left. <laughs> it, w- it was already gone. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The winner will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show, and we will disqualify you if it's the wrong Swedish accent. <laughs> so please do the northern rural one. What utensil is also known as a foon? Sarah. Spork, spork, spork. <laughs> I felt like the Swedish chef was hiding in that, but I liked it. A spork. Hershey's manufactures what brand name of peppermint patty? 
Barbara. York, York, York. <laughs> that's right. And that's a, that's a killer accent right there. That's pretty amazing. You've done some voiceover in the past? A little bit, yeah. This physics term refers to a rotational force around an axis. Barbara. Torque, torque, torque. That's right. That's right. If you want to see the Blarney Stone, what county in Ireland should you travel to? Barbara. Cork, cork, cork. (laughs) Yes. In The Lord of the Rings, what kind of evil creatures serve as foot soldiers for villains like Sauron? Sarah. Ork, ork, ork. That's right. (laughs) This is your last question. This subatomic particle comes in different varieties that physicists call flavors, including top, bottom, charm, and strange. Sarah. Quirk, quirk, quirk. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Quirk, quirk, quirk. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung, and find out how our contestants did. We have a tie. All so. right. Oh Hands on your buzzers. In many cultures, these birds represent fertility and are even said to deliver babies. Barbara. Stork, stork, stork. That's right. Congratulations. You're moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Please welcome our next two contestants, Christopher Hermelin and Bill Rosenblatt. So your game is called Retro is the New Retro. Do either of you have retro hobbies, Bill? Well, um, I collect Sherlock Holmes pastiches. Okay. I didn't know that I was going to get the most amazing answer to the question possible. Okay, uh, so why, why? Okay, well, so Sherlock Holmes pastiches are story, Sherlock Holmes stories that were written after Conan Doyle. And there are several times as many of them as Conan Doyle wrote stories. And they range from really good ones to things like Sherlock Holmes solves the Kennedy assassination. (laughs) (laughs) And who was it? Um, Professor Moriarty. Uh, What? Yeah, (laughs) what? It's him every time. Yeah, I thought that. Mm -hmm. How about you, Christopher? I have a side business where I write um, stories on a typewriter uh, in a public park. Sure you do. (laughs) And and do do you charge for this, obviously? It's a business? Oh, it's it's whatever you want to pay. Wow. Pay what you can. Short story of your choice. And how's the business? Uh, booming. Booming! (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I have the perfect two contestants for the game called Retro is the New Retro, clearly, because this is a game about a little linguistic oddity called the retronym. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung, to tell us, what is a retronym? So, Afira, a retronym is a name for something that has to be altered after new versions are created. So, for example, the introduction of the electric guitar in 1932 resulted in the coining of the phrase acoustic guitar which beforehand was just known as guitar. (laughs) 
And here's a little bit of trivia. As far as we can tell, the word retronym was coined by Frank Mankiewicz, the former president of NPR. So that's another free thing you're getting from public radio. <laughs> Just remember us at pledge time. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? As I'll ever yep. be. Here we go. This two-word retronym was needed after Penguin Books introduced its softer line of cheap novels in 1935. Christopher. The paperback novel? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Bill. That would be the hardback novel. That's right. The hardcover book is what we're looking for. That's right. <laughs> Nobody likes that Bill got that one right. This crowd is against you, Bill. I'm sorry to say. I think the crowd is like, there's books? There's we books. Still have... What is a book? I've got a soft Kindle. <laughs> we used to shop only in physical stores, but we now add what three-word hyphenated adjective to distinguish them from online retailers? Bill. Brick and mortar. You got it. In the 1960s, the introduction of the IBM Selectric in the workplace resulted in this term for non-electric models. Bill. Manual typewriters. That's right. I feel bad about taking that from him. I was clicking. I, I was ready. Christopher, you use a manual typewriter, I assume? I have three, yeah. You have three? Just in case two of them break down? <laughs> they both, yeah, that's why. Because <laughs> they break down. Because they break down all the time. And who are you taking them Typewriters to? are a terrible machine. <laughs> no one buy typewriters. Computers are better. You love the future, but you're making money in the past. It's hard on you. You feel like the buzzer's against you, right? And as someone with the typewriter, you're, you're having a flashback to a broken typewriter. No, yeah, this is like when I run out of ink. <laughs> You have a long history of buttons not quite working right. <laughs> I don't have an exclamation point right now. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. I hear you. <laughs> Originally, this 20th century conflict was called the Great War, but later events required the switch to what retronym? Christopher. Uh, the World War? W one? Yes! <laughs> People cheered for that. Yeah. People cheered for World War I. Yeah, yeah they, they, they like the fact that it's open to so many sequels. <laughs> In 1935, the Cincinnati Reds installed lights in their stadium, ushering in what retronym to describe baseball games played without them? Christopher. Oh, no. Uh, day games. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, what happened? I, oh, no, I've rung the buzzer. <laughs> that, yep. <laughs> I was hoping to get it, but... And it worked. <laughs> it's your last clue. A popular bite-sized chocolate candy got what new name in 1954 when a second version with peanuts was introduced? Bill. Uh, M&M Plain. That's right. Art, how did our contestants do? It was a close game, but Bill pulled it out, and he is our winner. Congratulations, Bill. Coming up, we're going to jam to Billy Joel with some alternative instruments, and I'll chat with my fellow Canadian, Top Chef's Gail Simmons, about our delicious national dish, poutine. 
If you don't know what that is, stay tuned. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. Thanks so much for listening to Ask Me Another. Would you like a reward for listening to the news all week? Why don't you listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? It's an NPR news quiz. It's just like NPR, but with more jokes and a whole lot less facts. The Wait, Wait podcast has all the fun everyone else at NPR is carefully avoiding. So listen now at npr.org slash podcasts. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Art Chung. And joining us right now is our very important puzzler, culinary expert, food writer, and top chef, Judge Gail Simmons. Welcome. Thank you. This is sort of a different kind of challenge for you. I feel I understand. good about it. I paid them all to do that. By the oh way. yeah. So well, you paid on them. my team. <laughs> yeah. And you are fellow Canadian. Hello. Hello. I joked around at the top that you have an adventurous palate because of your job, mm-hmm. but you grew up in a household where that was kind of cultivated by your mother. I did. I did. Um, I had a mother ahead of her time. Truly, she was a food writer and a culinary teacher. She actually ran a cooking school out of our home for the first 10 years of my life. And our our kitchen was actually built as a cooking, teaching kitchen. And so I spent, you know, my whole life watching her cook. And she really was an extraordinary cook, still is. And so we ate well and ate really interesting food all my life. Did your friends at school like coming over to your house for Um, lunch? No, they hated it, actually. (laughs) And even more than that, I was never invited anywhere for lunch because everyone's mother was scared to cook for me because they thought that what we got at my house and what I wanted to eat was always really fancy, And they were getting like hot dogs and mac and cheese. And when you're eight years old, like all you want to eat are hot dogs and mac and cheese. And my mom never let us eat hot dogs. We had to eat like leek quiche and duck pate. Yeah. So I couldn't wait to get out of my own house for lunch. And um, now it's this kind of weird self-fulfilling prophecy because to this day, no one invites me for dinner. I know. Feel bad for me. It's terrible. I'm starving. So you're on this amazingly popular cooking show that is a franchise. It has many spin-offs. And I mean, this is, this is something that's become really, I would say, popular like in the last decade. It just skyrocketed. Why do you think right now we are so into cooking competition games? Like, why? I, know, I think that food and competition sort of hits on everything that people like in the world. There's food. And whether you like it or not, you have an opinion about it because whether you like it or not, you have to eat it many times a day to survive. So that's one thing. Everybody has something to say about food, whether you call yourself a foodie or not. Um, And I think people like to watch other people fail. So those two (laughs) things combined are really compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as someone doing radio, I'm, I have to be very conscious of describing anything visual that goes on for our listeners. When you're doing television to deal with food, you have to communicate smells and tastes. We do. What kind of training do you get to communicate um, that? You know, I, I like to say like, we're the taste buds for our viewers yeah. because 
they obviously can't taste the food. And people ask that of me a lot. They're always like, I don't understand why your show is successful because we can't taste the food. And so why does anyone watch food TV? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But the truth is, I think you're right. That is our job to um, describe food, to make you want to eat it. And my, the best compliment people can give me is that they have to eat while they're watching the show because it makes them hungry. And that is, you know, our point. Um, <laughs> but also... I think that it's escapism, you know, it's, it's a fantasy, you know, we take in all the calories, we do the dishes, well, a, a fleet of PAs do the dishes, actually, it's kind of extraordinary, and you can just sit back and watch, and you don't have to worry about it, it's this decadent sort of Right, you, you know, have, like, the best people cooking for you, yeah. and it's just, you're part of it. And you also have a new show, The Feed. yes. Where you are kind of part of the competition, or you guys, there's yeah, three I of mean, you, and not, you dare each other. competition. Yeah. The feed is uh, really just a fun, silly, absurd exploration of food from three very different perspectives. It's me and uh, Chef Marcus Samuelson from the Red Rooster in Harlem, an incredibly mm. acclaimed and talented um, chef, and a comedian named Max Silvestri, who is a really funny comedian <laughs> and he knows a lot about food. And so the three of us sort of just challenge each other, more like dare each other, yeah. to do crazy things in the food world that are... Um, of the moment right now, you know, that talk about trends. You know, we, we do a lot of the triple, you know, black label ice cream, salted smoke yeah. stuff and making fun of ourselves and not taking food too seriously because I think in my other role I have to be very serious and this allows me to be myself a little and more. And the Canadian thing comes up a few a times lot. in the show. So Canadian to Canadian and, you know, I said poutine is our national dish. And if you don't know what poutine is, it is French fries, gravy and cheese curds, and we relate to on this, they must be squeaky. Must be squeaky. If they don't squeak Fresh. in your teeth, they're not the right cheese curds. That's right. Yeah. No, no shredding cheddar. No. And when is the best time to eat poutine? 3 a.m. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, we're going to find out more about your food preferences. So our contestant is on the line. Hello, you're on Ask Me Another. Hi, this is Kristen McLash from Carmel, Indiana. Oh, hello, Kristen. How Hi, are Kristen. you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very excited. Uh, Kristen, do you eat while you watch Top Chef? I do. I, um, I like to eat uh, ramen noodles and vanilla ice cream while I watch Top Chef. Oh, my God, um, that is amazing. But it's true. That's fantastic. I might have to do that when I get home. Sounds good. <laughs> I get and it, I though. The crunchy and the creamy. I actually, well, I don't put them together. They're not in the same bowl. <laughs> oh, I'm, putting them, I'm putting them together. Well, you said, you know, ramen noodles and vanilla ice cream, so I'm putting them together. Well, and that's the trouble. If you say to do it, I'm going to try it next time. <laughs> so, Kristen, here's what we're going to do. So, you, since you're a Top Chef uh, watcher, you probably know the spinoff show Top Chef Duels. Mm -hmm. So, two chefs battle it out, and one emerges victorious. We've given Gail some hypothetical battles between two foods or trends, and you have to tell us which one Gail said was her favorite. Okay, here we go. Molecular gastronomy or farm to table. What do you think Gail said is her favorite? Oh, goodness. Um, despite my deep love of Richard Blaze, who is the person who introduced me to molecular gastronomy on Top Chef, I would guess farm to table. Gail. You're correct. Nice. Yay. 
And why, why farm to table? Uh, that's not to say that I don't believe in science. Well, l okay, let's be clear. <laughs> I don't believe it. Uh, all cooking is science. That's the first thing. Molecular gastronomy, as it's often known, but um, I think it's easier to just call it modernist cuisine, modernist cooking. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think serves a very important purpose. Without people forging our industry forward, we would all be, you know, in caves around a fire, like sticking sticks with pieces of meat on it. So I do believe in progress and in change and in experimentation. It's just not how I want to eat every day. I like to use my hands when I cook, mm -hmm. and I like to use my hands when I eat, and I, you know, I, I don't crave hyper-modernist food. Mm -hmm. Does that resonate with you, Kristen? I think that pretty well wraps it yeah. up, <laughs> more or less. We've, we're seeing eye to eye here. <laughs> I like you, Kristen. All right, here's your next one. Home brewing or home pickling? Which I think one begets the other, but anyways. Ooh, I don't know how to say that I probably have the right answer without sounding like a suck-up. Um, but, but the truth is that I, um, I read... Gail's book, Once Upon a Time, and I remember that her dad made really, really good pickles, so I think that that would probably be my guess. I mean, yeah, my dad is a major pickle maker. Really? So yes, I believe in the home pickle. Yeah, me too. Delicious. <laughs> it's okay to come from a point of knowledge. I think that it's very <laughs> She's like, done her research. Yeah. I wrote this book. It took a year of my life, and it sucked <laughs> out my soul, so I'm glad that someone bought it. That's important. Um, no, it's true. She's right. My father does not cook. My mother spoiled him rotten, and I'm not certain he can boil water. But he made three things growing up. Chocolate cream of wheat on the weekend mornings so that my mother could take a rest. And he made applesauce, really amazing applesauce every fall. And he still to this day makes the best full sour pickles that he keeps down in our basement. Um, and they're good for like years, seals and mason jars. I am not kidding you. His pickles really are award-winning. All right, and this is your last question. Breakfast for dinner or leftovers for breakfast? Kristen, what do you think Gail prefers? Goodness. This one's a wild guess. No sucking up. I'm, I'm going to have to go with my own preference here, which is breakfast for dinner. Gail? I am concerned that you are reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, breakfast for dinner. I'll eat eggs any time of the day. In fact, I got my job on Top Chef because of breakfast. Really? Yes, it's true. Kristen knows the story. I'm sorry if I'm boring you, Kristen. <laughs> um, when I went to Bravo to, I had to get a screen test, you know, um, Food & Wine sent me to, to Bravo. I did not know what a screen test was at all, and I was totally worried about the whole situation, and they put me in a little room with a man and a camera, which could be sort of scary if you think about it for a lot of reasons. And... Um, and he, one of the questions he asked me was, what was your worst restaurant experience ever? And I told him a story about how I had gone to a diner and ordered an omelet, and I'm very particular about my omelets, and they brought it overcooked, and I sent it back, and they brought it raw, and I burst into tears. And they had never at Bravo met anyone who'd cried over eggs before. <laughs> and so they were like, that girl needs to be on television. And the rest is history. Awesome. Right, you gotta be specific. All right, congratulations, Kristen. You've done it. You have won your very own Ask Me Another Anagram t-shirt. Thank you, Kristen. And thank you, Gail Simmons. We will see you later on in the show for your own challenge. Can't wait. Mm -hmm. 
Are you starving to be a contestant on Ask Me Another? Can you just taste your trivia challenge? All you have to do is give us a morsel of your sharp wit by completing our contestant quiz. Send an email to askmeanother at npr.org, and we'll see how you fare once we put you on the puzzle chopping block. Please welcome our contestants, Cece Brooks and Colin Thibodeau. I don't know if either of you play instruments, but if you could play any instrument, have like just magically great talent at any instrument uh, out there, which one would you pick and why, Colin? Uh, I would pick the hurdy-gurdy. The hurdy-gurdy? The hurdy-gurdy. I can't, I'm, what, I can't even think what a hurdy... Oh, it's the roundy-roundy thing? Yes. It's, it's like a crank violin. Yeah, crank violin with a little drone attached to it. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and is there anything stopping you from picking that up? Sounds uh, expensive, uh, right? Probably very expensive, and <laughs> there's really no legitimate use for there's it. So. no legitimate use. That is the truth. Yes. Cece? Um, I would have to say the bagpipe. Really? Yes. A um, couple reasons. One, I'm, I'm Scottish, and two... I think it just makes more sense for a girl to wear a kilt, you know? It makes a little more sense. And just the breath capacity, just that person would have a lot of other talented skills. <laughs> All right. It's one of the dirtiest things anyone's <laughs> ever said on the show. My mom's going to kill me. <laughs> it's all good. This game is called Instrument Man. Uh, Jonathan, you are the music man, so I'll let you talk to Cece and Colin about what they're in for. Yes. Well... <laughs> Everyone loves the Billy Joel song, Piano Man, because it is the best song in the world. Pause for applause. And you probably didn't think that it could get any better than it is, but it's about to. What if that song were called Glockenspiel Man, for instance? So what we're doing in this round is we have rewritten the lyrics of Piano Man to be about a guy playing other instruments. You tell us what the new song title would be by singing, Sing us a song, you're the harmonica man, or whatever. I've just given it away. Harmonica is not any of the answers. Here we go. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday. The plaid-loving crowd shuffles in. There's a Highlander droning next to me, blowing into his animal skin. Cece. Sing us a song for the bagpipe man. Yeah. You were kind of a shoe-in for that one. That's... I would hope so. Yeah. It's also got strings like the piano man. Some keys are black and some white. And I know it's baroque, but don't fix it. This baby's got Bach tonight. Colin. Sing us a song, oh harpsichord man. Yeah. I like that you put in oh harpsichord man. That was good. A little flourish. Why not? The rabbi at the bar is a friend of mine. He loaned me his ram's horn before. But I think you'll agree that he shouldn't be getting drunk. When it's Yom Kippur. 
Colin. Sing us a song, oh shofar man. Yeah, that's right. Shofar man and his sidekick, Atonement Boy. All right. (laughs) He says, Bill, while you look like an 80s band, you got two instruments mashed into one. We all know you can play synthesizer. The strap round your neck makes it fun. Colin. Sing us a song, oh, Kitar Man. (laughs) Indeed, you are correct. A lot of good people have played the Kitar. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. If you say so. I wish I had, I think Kitars are awesome. Yeah? I think it's time for the Kitar to come back. I would love a Kitar. Come on, can you play a Kitar? No, no. Come on! No, I can't, I can't do it. Is the Kitar not just the southern word for a guitar? That's, awesome. a, that's a guitar. That's a guitar. <laughs> Sorry, my South Carolina mind. Just, yeah, no, here's that's the, that's amazing. <laughs> now Robbie is a real estate novelist. Plays one of these on the side. And he plucks at the strings. And he sips Darjeeling's. In India, he's known far and wide. Colin? Sing us a song, oh sitar man. Mm-hmm, that's right. Oh, sitar man. Oh, sitar man. <laughs> I don't know, is the O actually in the lyrics? No, that's just, I'm no, just no, making that's your that own, up. That's your own styling. That's, uh... All right. And I think we should leave it, Colin. Yeah, I do. I'm I... not even going to tell you how to do it correctly. It's, are you sure it's not but O I, piano man? Yeah, no, I see no. it as a uh, O apostrophe, yes. the way uh, you sing it, Colin. <laughs> Opianum, that's an Irish, Irish name. <laughs> it's an Irish song. Timothy Opianum. <laughs> yeah. This is your last clue. And the waitress is practicing polka dance as the instrument wheezes a tone. Yes, we're all celebrating Oktoberfest with a bellows driven reed aerophone. Cece? Um. Something German. <laughs> yep. I think you mean sing us a song, something German. Is that what you mean? That's exactly. incorrect. Yeah. Sorry. Colin, Colin, do you know what it is? Uh, sing us a song, oh, accordion man? Yeah, that's yeah. right. All right. Hello, puzzle guru Archung. Hello, Ophira. Oh, apostrophe, Fira. Oh, apostrophe, Fira. Uh, how did our contestants do? Congratulations, Colin. You're moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Coming up, we'll see if our VIP Gail Simmons can stand the heat of our puzzle kitchen. So stay tuned. This is Ask Me Another from NPR.
Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's Hour of Trivia, Puzzles, and Word Games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and we'll subject Top Chef Judge Gail Simmons to our own food challenge in just a minute. But first, let's meet our next two contestants, Caitlin Meehan and Michael Holmes. So when you guys go out or stay in, you want to meet up with people who you would consider your own kind. Where do you find these people? Michael? I don't know if there's exactly a perfect place where I could meet people because I have a lot of weird interests, but if I could make up a place that doesn't exist, yeah. perhaps it would be like a, a karaoke bar with a quizzo game night in an airport waiting lounge. <laughs> right? And then, then I've got everything that I'm looking that's for one night. That's an amazing idea. I know. In I'm Newark? thinking of opening one in Newark. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Newark. That's the prime market. That's the hot spot right there. You got it. Caitlin? I think I would go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Like a normal person. (laughs) Beautiful. This game is called Disconsolate Consonants. Uh, I know disconsolate is a fancy way of saying uh, sad. That's right. But why are these letters sad? Why can't they be happy? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they just, uh, you know, they thought they would change a couple of things and they would solve all their problems, but the problems were internal. No, they are sad, of course, because they're all alone. Each answer has just one consonant in it. And the rest are vowels. For example, if I said, the letter D is surrounded by vowels in this French word meaning goodbye, you'd answer, adieu. This is the saddest word game we have ever played. We've saved it for the end. Now you guys look sad. I have made you sad. (laughs) They're both like, "Uh, why am I not in a karaoke quiz beach? (laughs) Soon. (laughs) All right, here we go. Many vowels wait in line after the letter Q to form a word meaning a line of people waiting. Michael. Q. That's right. (laughs) It's a ridiculous word. Comes from the French, of course. (laughs) Q-U-E-U-E. Yeah. Absurd. It's ridiculous. Thanks, Frenchies. Yeah. The letter R joins three vowels to create a unit of currency that replace the franc, the Deutschmark, and many others. Michael. Mm, The euro. Indeed, you got it. I've got 200 euros at home, my friends. You have 200 euros at home? Yep, that's my retirement plan. (laughs) Just wait for everything to fall apart (laughs) and then move to Europe. It's got a lot of forever stamps, you'll see. (laughs) This word with its lonely letter J is the name of a board that's sometimes used as a communication device during seances. Caitlin. Ouija? <laughs> that is right. <laughs> Are those your family members from <laughs> the other life communicating with you through this show? Yes. <laughs> the letter P finds itself fending off vowels in the name of this kind of sword used in fencing. Michael? This has a lot of consonants, but is it a rapier? Not even a little bit, no. <laughs> Caitlin, do you know what it is? I do not. It is, does anybody know what it is? Epe! Epe. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Thanks again, Frenchies. <laughs> Beginning with a solitary letter L, this FX sitcom is loosely based on the life of the stand-up who writes, directs, and stars in it. Caitlin. Louis. That is right. <laughs> Members of the audience, please continue to shout out the answers. 
right after I asked the question. That is a great idea. There is just one little old T in this word that means a tiny quantity and also happens to be a letter in the Greek alphabet. Michael. Tau. No. Caitlin? No. 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 <laughs> no. Just no. I reject this game. Anybody know the answer? Iota is correct. All right, this is your last clue. A lone letter L is the meat in a vowel sandwich. In the, <laughs> in the name of this garlic mayonnaise, traditional and Provencal cuisine. Caitlin. Aeoli. You got it. Art, how did our contestants do? Oh, it was a close game, but Caitlin is our winner. Congratulations. Congratulations, Caitlin. Please welcome back our very important puzzler, Gail Simmons. Gail, we always ask our VIPs to provide the prize for the grand champion. What prize did you provide? Yes. So um, I, I hesitated because I'm deciding if I should tell the truth or not. Um, the, tr <laughs> the, the truth awesome. is... Um, the other day, I got this big box delivered to my house, and I was really excited, and it was from Bravo, and I thought, oh, how nice, they're giving me a gift. Sometimes they send me, like, a premiere gift, you know, like a nice bottle of champagne, or sometimes it's flowers, and um, for, you know, when, uh, when our show premieres, and Top Chef Duels premiered the other night, and I got this box at my house, and I was really excited to open it up, and it was um, a Top Chef Duels pillow. And I thought, wow, times are tough. <laughs> um, and the next day, you guys called and said, can you provide the prize? Well, when I say you called, no one actually calls anyone. You emailed, and um, I thought, I have just the thing. <laughs> so we have a game for you. What kind of advice do you give your chef testants when they're nervous or anything before a challenge? Do you talk to them? Oh, I do not talk to them. Never? No, no. Oh, never. never. They, don't, they like to, us to instill fear. Um, really? Until afterwards, no, we're, I mean, truthfully, we're just never allowed to talk to them. They don't want us to get comfortable with them. They don't want them getting comfortable with us. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't give them advice, but we talk afterwards. And I often give them advice afterwards um, about, you know, what happens next or, um, and there's always very universal things they tell us afterwards about the experience. Um, you know, like, wow, that was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think you'll find that about this game. Great. Um, <laughs> Feeling good. <laughs> it's called Pack Your Knives and Go. Ah. Yes. Creative. Uh, we're talking about... Uh, I know. We have like 70 writers, and uh, that's what they came up with. Art wrote that. <laughs> yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> we're talking about trendy foods that have overstayed their welcome. Ah. So it's time to move on to different things, right, that we can make fun of. But right now, we are going to make fun of these things. And what's at stake if you answer enough questions right? Travis Mitchell of Yuma, Arizona, will win and ask me another prize. Oh, my God. So Travis, think, this think is Think about you. this. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> okay. Uh, and our house musician, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Archung, are going to help me out with this game. Here's your first question. According to its inventor, you should eat this cream-filled pastry immediately and use a serrated knife so you don't crush its layers. What is this food fad introduced by the Dominic Ansel Bakery in Manhattan? 
It is the cronuts. The cronuts. Yes. I have never had a cronut. Hmm. We could rectify that. Yeah. All you have to do is wake up at 4 a.m. I know. And go line up in Soho like a lunatic. Yes. Blame Chef Dan Barber of Blue Hill for this 2009 food trend. The recipe is very simple. Preheat the oven to 250. Toss some leaves with olive oil, sprinkle with salt and pepper, and bake. What is this public radio-friendly dish? I believe it's the kale chip. It certainly is. I didn't actually know that was attributed to Dan Barber. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. Go, Dan. Are you a uh, kale chip fan? Done, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't buy them because they cost like $12 for a half an ounce. <laughs> but I will make them on occasion. Yeah. They're enjoyable. I'm like, embarrassed to tell you that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but I like the way you said it. You're like, they're enjoyable. Yeah. Like, you got to admit, you know, <laughs> they are a good time. <laughs> Named after a town in Thailand, the most popular version of this condiment was created by David Tran, who decorated each bottle with his astrological sign. Mm. Sriracha. Yes, Sriracha. Restaurants drizzle this ingredient on french fries to make them more exotic and expensive, but it's so overused that Martha Stewart says it is one of the few ingredients that doesn't belong in anyone's kitchen. What is this culinary no-no? Truffle oil. That's right. Everyone is appalled right now. (laughs) Truffle oil is the thing that everyone loves to hate. But you know, once in a while... Don't deny it. (laughs) I'm just joking. I don't know. It's very artificial and terrible tasting, but sometimes, I don't know. Well, sometimes they make it, it's not even truffle in the oil. No, most of the time it's probably, it's not. It's like artificial. It's made in a lab somewhere. I mean, you can get really expensive, ridiculously, you know, overpriced versions that are better quality for sure, but For goodness sake, just buy a truffle. Yeah. Am I right? (laughs) Come on, people. It is almost truffle season. It is almost upon us. You like dessert, but you only want a small bite. And you don't want sticky fingers, so clearly you want it on a stick. Thanks to the blogger Bakerella, you can have these tiny morsels of over-decorated frosted sweets to eat or post on Pinterest. I will say, and I don't want to offend anybody, they are one of my most hated things in the universe and I feel like I'm an evil terrible human being going straight to hell because of it it's a cake pop Uh, yes cake pops (laughs) why the aggression Gail yeah you know it's true I get aggressive they never taste good I just want a piece of cake there was nothing wrong with a piece of cake before I don't it's not on a stick though that's one thing wrong and I am I'm really I am all for things on a stick I put poutine on a stick recently so you know how I feel about the stick and the eating that's a good idea travel so you can travel with it right but I don't know cake pops to me just never do it like they're dry they're not they've got too much stuff on the outside it's not an even ratio I just I've never had a great cake pop I mean show me a great cake pop I'm, I'm willing to change my mind do you hear that, listeners? Show Gale a yeah. great cake pop. <laughs> exactly. This is your last clue. This superfood from South America is high in protein, gluten-free, and depending on who you ask, kosher for Passover. It's so amazing that the United Nations declared 2013 the international year of this ingredient. What is this grain that is technically a seed? It is quinoa. It sure is. Uh, and where are we at with quinoa? Are we, are we keeping that around? I feel good about it? quinoa. I think it's, it's healthy if that's the worst thing. 
I think we're good with Yeah, quinoa. we're good. Pesaguru Archung, how did our VIP do? She did amazing thanks to Gail. Travis Mitchell of Yuma, Arizona wins a signed Rubik's Cube. All right. Piece of cake, right? Thank goodness. Thank you so much. Another hand for our VIP, Gail Simmons. Thank you. I've been leaving on my things In the morning when the morning bird sings There's still dinner on my dinner jacket till the dinner bell rings I don't want a pizza, I don't want a piece of peanut brittle I don't want a pear, I don't want a bagel I don't want a bean, a wooden like a bag of beef for a beer Cup of chatter, corn cake, cream, cauliflower Cause I'm waiting for the dinner bell to do the bell thing Dinner bell, dinner bell ring I don't know whether I'd rather be having a bottle of vinegar I don't know whether I'd rather be having an egg I don't know whether I'd rather be having an order of bacon Or whether I'd rather be having a basket of garlic bread I don't know whether I'd rather be having some pie or saving my appetite Waiting for the dinner bell to do the bell thing Dinner bell, dinner bell, ding I've been leaving on my things In the morning when the morning bird sings There's still dinner on my dinner Jacket till the dinner bell does the bell thing Dinner bell, dinner bell, do the bell thing. Dinner bell, dinner bell, do the bell thing. Dinner bell, dinner bell, ding, ding, ding. Waiting for the dinner bell to do the bell thing. Dinner bell, dinner bell, ding, ding, ding. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from It's All Swedish to Me, Barbara Kay. Retro is the new retro, Bill Rosenblatt. <laughs> Instrument man, Colin Thibodeau. And just consulate consonants, Caitlin Meehan. <laughs> They'll be playing our Ask Me One More final round, and our puzzle guru, Archung, is going to take us out with a game called Battle of the Silver Screen Sexes. Contestants, in this round, each answer is a feature film containing either the word man or woman in the title. So, for example, if I said Al Pacino won an Oscar for starring in this film as a blind man with a lot of hua, you would say scent of a woman. We're going to play the spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds. The last person standing is our Ask Me Another grand winner, and we'll go home with a signed copy of Gail's book, Talking With My Mouthful, and that Top Chef's dual pillow she wants out of her house. <laughs> Here we go. Barbara. This Best Picture winner features Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman as brothers on a road trip. Rain Man. You got it. <laughs> Bill, this 2002 superhero movie starring Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst was rebooted just 10 years later. Uh, Superman? No. No, that's not the one we're looking for. Colin, do you know the answer? Spider-Man. Spider-Man is correct. Thank you, Bill, for playing. Caitlin is up. Julia Roberts stars as a courtesan with a heart of gold who wins over Richard Gere. Pretty Woman. That's right. We're back to Barbara. It's a 2009 bromantic comedy starring Paul Rudd and Jason Segel. I love you, man. Thank you. Colin, Halle Berry won a Worst Actress Razzie Award for this not very good action flick. Catwoman? That is correct. Caitlin, Jim Carrey literally agrees to everything in this 2008 comedy. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. See what I did there? 
It was good. Barbara. Kevin Costner plays Superman's adopted dad in this 2013 summer blockbuster. Invisible Man. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Colin, Kevin Costner plays Superman's adopted dad in this 2013 summer blockbuster. Man of Steel. That is correct. Thank you, Barbara, for playing. We are down to two players, Caitlin and Colin. Caitlin, Sean Penn and Susan Sarandon both received Oscar nominations for this 1995 death row drama. Caitlin shakes her head. I don't know. Okay, Colin, if you know the answer, you're our grand winner. Dead Man Walking? You got it! Congratulations, Colin. You're our big Ask Me Another winner. Enjoy your pillow. Yes, sleep easy tonight. Well done, my friend. And how about one last hand for our VIP, Gail Simmons. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you would like to be a contestant on our show, find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. And you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace by downloading our podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Additional editing by senior writer Dan Schofield and puzzle writing by Matt Foster, Adam Markowitz, Greg Pliska, Mary Tobler, and Greg Volk. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, Eleanor Kagan, and Jess Miller, along with Portia robertson Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Kristen Moeller, and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, the Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. When he moved to America, a teenage Asif Manvi found that he had an uncanny resemblance to the king of pop. I was 120 pounds at the time, and both Michael and I looked like an Indian girl. From Michael Jackson impersonator to Daily Show correspondent, Asif Manvi moonwalks on the next Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. you've reached the end of the podcast just want to remind you you might want to check out wait wait don't tell me it's an npr news quiz it's just like npr but with more jokes and way less facts the wait wait podcast has all the fun everyone else at npr is carefully avoiding listen now at npr.org slash podcasts